The Apartment Store. A story for Christmas, written and read by Tobias Sturt. Chapter 3. Introductions. Part 2. They had interrupted Fruza working. Lydia could tell because she had brushes stuck in her hair and was wearing her old Cornish smock that was covered in splashes and smears of paint. Lydia, we weren't expecting you this early. I'm sorry, I'm introducing Artie to everyone and you were next. He's just moved in. I hope we're not intruding, said Artie. Not at all, said Feruza. Lydia's always welcome, preferably bringing gifts, but guests will do. John, Lydia's here, with a neighbour, apparently. Excellent, said John. You can help me decide. Where Feruza was small and dark, with delicate fingers and serious, clever eyes, John was huge and jolly, with bright red curly hair and a bushy red beard. Even in her painting smock, Feruza was neat and contained and still, while John, even when he tried to dress smartly, always seemed to be in the act of exploding out of his clothes, his shirt untucked, his jumper full of holes, his trousers shiny at the knees. He had in his large hands two croissants resting on a tea towel. One was plain, the other dusted with icing sugar. Almond or plain? John held them out to Lydia and Artie. Fairy likes armoured, but they're a bit of an experiment, I'm afraid. The plain, I'm happy with, but I just don't know. Try them. Lydia picked up the almond croissant and broke off one end. Inside was a seam of almond paste and the pastry steamed slightly. She popped it in her mouth. It's delicious, she mouthed through little puffs of steam. Lydia always thinks everything's delicious, said John, proffering the croissant to her Artie. What do you think? Sorry, I didn't catch your name. Fairy, you try some too. I didn't give it, said Artie tearing off a bit of croissant. I'm Artie. I've moved in next door to Lydia and Dora upstairs. And my word, this is an excellent croissant. This is excellent, don't you think? I like it, said Feruza. Go and make some more immediately. Your wish is my command, O star of the morning, said John. She's not wrong, said Artie, tearing off a piece. But you're not wrong about the plane. You've got that cracked. French butter, am I right? Normandy, said John, pleased with himself. You have to go to Krampus to get it, but what else are you going to use in croissant? I was told Eleven's here was going to be nice, said Artie. I'm beginning to think I was undersold. Oh, this isn't for Eleven's, said John. I, although I have a couple more, I guess. This is for lunch, I'm afraid, said Fruza. Oh, I didn't mean I was expecting anything, said Artie. Of course, don't let us intrude. Are you going away for lunch, said Lydia. Are you? You are, aren't you? We are. Fruza shot a conspiratorial smile at John. You'll be wanting to get ready, said Artie. Lydia, we should let them get on. Where are you going? said Lydia. Tell me. Paris, said John. That's why the croissant. You're going to Paris for lunch? said Artie. This place is extraordinary. I'm afraid we haven't got enough for everyone for lunch, said Feruza, or you'd be welcome to stay, of course. They could stay for coffee, at least, said John. I could make a couple of extra croissants. One moment. Now... I'm really befuddled. Artie held up her hand. You say you're going to Paris for lunch, which is going to be a very late lunch. But now you're staying in? Can someone tell me what is going on? John and Feruza have special lunches, said Lydia. It's brilliant. They pick a place to have lunch in, and then John makes the right food for that place, and Feruza decorates the flat, and then they have lunch anywhere in the world, wherever they want. They let me come too, sometimes. 
all the time, more like, said John. We've been to all kinds of places, Spain and Italy and India, and what was that place that had the delicious little yellow tarts? Portugal, said John. Pastes de nata. Lisbon, said Feruza. Blue and white tiles climbing up steep hills. And today they're going to Paris, said Lydia. Isn't that right? It's a splendid destination, said Artie. Croissants for coffee, and then what's for lunch? Filet mignon? Coquille Saint-Jacques? No, said John. We were thinking just a small cafe, somewhere in the back street, unpretentious, straightforward, as if we were just stopping for a quick bite. Onion soup, said Artie. Croque-monsieur, said Feruza. What's that? asked Lydia. Cheese on toast, said Feruza. With ham, it's delicious. It's a bit more than that, said John. You make cheese sauce, really, and you need the right bread. And the right cheese, said Artie. Gruyere, probably. It's not really a meal, you see, said John. It's a snack, really. But done right, said Artie. It's a piece of heaven. I couldn't agree more, said Feruza. Cheese and ham and bread. What more could you ask? There is, in Montmartre, in Paris, a set of steps that leads down from the hill alongside a park. And the halfway down those steps is a little space, not even a square, said Artie. I found it quite by chance. I was just wandering. I was actually there, quite coincidentally, to find a baker to make croissants. But that's another story. On the side of the space is a little cafe. Nothing remarkable, just another little Parisian cafe. But what matters is what isn't there because that park carries on down the hill, and beyond it is Paris. All the rooftops of the 9th and 10th arrondissement, and beyond them Notre Dame, and the Pont Neuf, and the Place de la Bastille, and you can sit at that perfectly nondescript cafe, and drink a perfectly ordinary coffee, and eat a perfectly ordinary croque-monsieur, and look out at the most perfectly extraordinary city on earth and suddenly all those ordinary things become quite extraordinary too that is the magic of paris that's exactly it said Fruza. this is a good neighbor you've found lydia and that's exactly what we want sounds like you're staying for lunch said john no said artie this is your lunch but we can help set the scene can't we you certainly can said Feruza. I need source material. Come and help me find pictures. Which is what they did. While John retreated into the kitchen to make more croissants and begin preparing his Parisian lunch, Lydia, Feruza and Artie all collected round the table in the living room and began poring over books and postcards and photographs, deciding how they were going to conjure up Paris in time for lunch. Feruza found a long roll of rough paper, stretched it out across the floor and sketched out on it a skyline of Paris. She then handed Artie one of John's aprons from the kitchen and a set of brushes, and he and Lydia got down on their hands and knees and started to fill it in as they ate croissants that John brought out of the kitchen, and Artie told her all about the buildings they were painting. He told her about the building of the Eiffel Tower for the 1889 World's Fair and how all the artists had complained about it, saying it would ruin the skyline of Paris and how it had come instead to epitomise it. He told her about The Hunchback of Notre Dame, a book about a poor man called Quasimodo who lived in the ancient cathedral and his doomed love for a gypsy called Esmeralda. He told her about the Bastille, which had been a grim and deadly prison, but which had been stormed and torn down in the revolution, and instead now there was a market where you could buy all kinds of food and clothes and curios, which led him onto Les Arles, the great food market, the 
belly of Paris, he called it, where the whole country poured its produce into the ravening moor of the city, where you could find apples from the orchards of Brittany, Mediterranean fish straight up from the Côte d'Azur on the morning train, Charolais beef from Burgundy and raclette from the Alps. He told her about walking the aisles, quizzing the wholesalers and the experts, picking out the perfect pears, finding the freshest fish, just soaking it all in, learning and understanding not just what makes things good, but what makes things the best, what to look for and what to avoid. And that made Feruza think, too. She was painting the trickier bits, advertisements and pictures for the walls of the cafe. She was painting a poster for a nightclub, a man in a hat wearing a red scarf that she said was by a man called Toulouse-Lautrec. And she talked about how you could tell that a true talent was at work, even in just an advertisement for a night out. She talked about composition, which was how a picture was laid out, pointing how the picture was divided up unequally, a big block of yellow and a thinner block of blue, and how the man's head was off-centre, looking off to the left. She talked about colour, and how the bright red stood out against the blue, but how it was the richness of the blue of the man's coat that made the red work so well, and how one needed the other. And she talked about wit, and how the man's eyebrow tilted up just so so that he became amused and clever and interesting how an artist could invoke character with just a flick of his brush. And then she and Artie were talking about the nightclubs of Montmartre, which was a hill in Paris, as far as Lydia could make out, and about all the artists and writers and strange individuals who lived there and worked there and had what sounded like an extraordinarily interesting time. And while Feruza was talking about a lot of stories she'd read or been told, Artie seemed to know all the places and the real, true stories behind the rumours. He knew the hosts of the bars and the landladies of the boarding houses. He'd been down into the smoky cellars and up into the rooftop garrets and seemed to know Paris just as well as he knew anywhere. Then, in the middle of this, there was a knock at the door. Fruza scrambled up and returned with Ivy, who appeared to have gotten dressed by just throwing herself into a wardrobe and thrashing about until she was mostly covered with clothes. But Lydia knew that this was Ivy dressing up for a special occasion. I was lying in bed, and I could hear you all talking, not the words, you know, but the voices, and I wondered who it was and what you were talking about, and I just couldn't stand it anymore, so I had to find out. She thrust out her hand that jangled with bangles. Hello, I'm Ivy. Artie, said Artie. We were just helping Feruza prepare for lunch. Which is almost ready, said John, emerging from the kitchen. Hello, Ivy. I'm not sure we've got enough food for everyone now. But we do have enough service, said Artie. Ivy, Lydia tells me you're a student. I am, said Ivy. I mean, I'm studying, but not always what I'm supposed to be, you know, because you get interested in something and it's not what they want to teach you, but you can't leave it alone and you have to do two things and it can get confusing. It's fashion, by the way, what I'm studying. Then you'll know all about waiting on tables, said Artie. I'm terrible at it, said Ivy cheerfully. I forget things and spill things and then I think of something else, something important. I forget that there are people there. I'm supposed to be serving them and I'm just staring off into space and they get awfully cross. I do it all the time, waitressing. You sound perfect said Artie. This is Paris. The last thing we want is friendly, helpful service. Now, let's get everything set up. He turned to Fruza and Lydia. Madame, mademoiselle, a table outside, perhaps? They opened the balcony doors and took the Paris skyline outside, wrapping it across the balcony railings so that it became their view. Then they dragged the cast-iron round table from the balcony into the living room and covered it with a red-and-white checkered tablecloth John brought out from the kitchen, while Feruza tacked up the posters and an advertisement she had painted. Now, John, is everything ready? asked Artie. 
The bread on the soup is just browning. The sauce is all ready for the croque monsieur, said John. Then I can deal with it. This is your lunch too, said Artie. Sit down, sit down, you too, Lydia. Ivy and I will serve you. Ivy, I want you petulant and recalcitrant. You don't want to be serving anyone today. I really don't, said Ivy. I mean, I do, obviously. I mean, this is great, but it wasn't my plan when I got out of bed. I was just curious, you know, and it's just so boring lying in bed. Well, so is serving people lunch, so remember that, said Artie, and pulled her into the kitchen after him. And so Lydia, Feruza and John all had lunch in Paris. Ivy slouched back and forth from the kitchen looking bored, fetching them French onion soup, which was almost like a pie made out of bread and cheese with a thick centre of soft sweet onions, and croque monsieur, which turned out to be toasted bread with mustard and ham and a smooth, rich cheese sauce all browned and bubbling on top. And they spread out a map of the city on the table and imagined where they might go that afternoon, and Artie came out of the kitchen, wiping his hands on his apron, to make recommendations about shops and restaurants and patisseries, and Feruza said, Do you really know Paris this well, or are you just making all this up? Oh, I know it, said Artie, just as well as I know this town, which is pretty well. I can't not know Paris if you do what I do. And what is it that you do do? asked John. He's Krampus, said Lydia. Like the store, of the store, it's his store. He's Mr. Krampus. You're... what? said John. It's true. Otto Krampus, literally at your service, said Artie. Although it's no longer by, with, from, or anything to do with the store, not any more. They slung me out, which is how I find myself here, in the company of you truly excellent and wonderful people. Do you mean... We were just served lunch by the founder of Krampus Department Store, said Feruza. It's the genuine Paris experience, said Artie. That's why I learned to do it, six months in a hotel restaurant. Golly, said John. Ivy, for once, appeared to be lost for words. The apartment store was written and read by me, Tobias Sturt. The music is Tchaikovsky, the Christmas tree from the Nutcracker, sourced from muzzopen.com. You can find more at Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review us if you'd like. We're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud, and, of course, at our website, ruritania.co.uk stories. And thank you for listening. <laughs>